The following episode of TOEFOP is rated M.A. It may contain Batman references, time travel references, sexual references, lost trains of thought, and mild course language. TOEFOP advises that the program is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who enjoys succinct, coherent conversation that might actually have a point. Minors must be accompanied by a parent, guardian, or priest. This is John Deke speaking. This is Tofop. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. We're back in other countries. Well, in different countries. Yeah, we're, we've separated again. Ironically, it's easier for us to record the show when we're on different sides of the planet. <laughs> yeah, because there's not other people who resent us going into the other room to talk to each other. <laughs> now, geez, ordinarily, uh, before we do an episode of Tofop, we have to sort of look at each other and go, oh, is there anything to talk about? Well, what's happened this week? Now, firstly, I understand what you're doing because you're trying to build up that obviously this week there is a big thing that we're going to talk about, but don't lie to our listeners and pretend we ever have a meeting about what we're going to talk about. <laughs> well, when I say a meeting, it's more like a five-second chat before we, we, we hit record. Right, that's true. Okay. Yes, look... Um, so you're like, the, the, last, the last episode we did, you talked about your fears about being in, in the air when a, a Trump presidency occurred. Did that, is that how it played out? That is exactly how it played out. So we got on the plane and, in fact, the early polls kind of showed that Hillary was doing okay. So as I was being driven to the airport, like the story I was seeing on Twitter and stuff was, now nah, it's going to be okay. So I get on the plane with that in my mind going, now nah, it's going to be okay. Oh, God. Now, firstly, um, I was right. They said when they were, we were going to take off that they'd keep us up to date with what was going on in the election and they did not announce it. They knew it was, Oh, really? Yeah, they didn't announce it on the plane. Wow, that's interesting. So how, well, when was, how, was it just when you landed and you turned your phone on? Is that your first idea? How did you guys get word? Well, for most people on the plane, that is exactly what happened. So the minute we got on the ground, people turned on their phone and then just people, random people, random strangers who'd sat next to each other for 14 hours and had not had a conversation with each other suddenly couldn't stop talking to each other because you just had to say, what the fuck just happened? Like, really? Did wow. that, is it true? It's, it's like you guys flew through one of those kind of Langoliers wormholes or something while you were in the air. I you mean, went to Bizarro World. People were checking like their seat numbers to make sure we weren't lost. <laughs> like it felt like an alternative universe. You get on a plane, you fall asleep, and then suddenly you're in like this alternate universe, right? But here's the thing. I had had time to get used to it. Why is that? Well, so... I had a flight attendant on the uh, trip and I was lucky enough to get upgraded and I had a flight attendant on the trip who uh, previously had been my flight attendant and previously had expressed that he was a fan of my work and sort of got me like special stuff. So during this flight, like he was like hooking me up with like the first class shit. Like he snuck me down a bottle of wine, like from first class and he like went right. went and made me like a proper cappuccino from first class and stuff and was like coming down giving me this special treatment and so then halfway through the flight when he got the word he came and like whispered in my ear and i'm like i'm the only person on the plane who knows this secret holy shit were you tempted to talk to someone about it no i was on a plane i'm never tempted to talk to somebody the guy next to me introduced himself as we got on the plane like we were going to be friends, like plain friends, just because we were sitting together. I was, yeah. I was like, no, 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 sir. This is not what is happening. <laughs> you are mistaken. Right. That We did not need to know that. We're not going to talk again. Well, you know this thing about like, have we entered bizarro world or anything? When you think about, you know, the trend of politics, what happened in the UK, the fact that every time we thought he couldn't, you know, get the nomination, he got the no nomination, he's like it's going to fall over at some point like it really wasn't like suddenly we wake up and we're in this hellhole this is being like a steadily increasing pile of shit that has been building up in front of us like it's not like you can't say there weren't warning signs but i don't know i think maybe we just thought that common sense would prevail i mean is that 
Is that why we're all in, in, in such shock? Or is it just the reality of what we have to deal with now? I mean, look, I, I, here's the thing that I think is, I'm a little bit terrified. I'm a little bit terrified right. for the world and where we're going. Mm. And, you know, more than anything, regardless of what he does as president, and we've got to remember that the guy who's not qualified for the job and his only plan was to build a big Mexican wall and, like, you know, he's probably, like, you know, a rapist and, you know, all these fucking... Actually, I take all that back. I'm now an immigrant in America and I don't want him to build a yeah. wall around yeah. Australia. I, I, I was going to say, mate, like, if you think you can mention Trump in any negative way with the NSA and surveillance now, you're in big trouble. I mean, he's not in for another three months. I feel like I've got until like January 20 or whenever the inauguration is to get as much of yeah. it out of my system. And then, yeah. and, and then you got to get home. <laughs> it is, but it is honestly frightening. Like I was saying to uh, Mike Halbert before you, you jumped on the call, like even in Australia, there was this like Wednesday um, a morning for, oh, it was, no, it would have been, thir uh, so it was Thursday. No, was it Wednesday? Yeah, it was, it was Wednesday for us. There was this like real kind of dread, like people woke up kind of anxious and depressed. And uh, a friend of mine was actually, who lives in LA, he's been you know, living there for the better part of 10 years, was just coincidentally happened to be in Sydney the night of the election. And uh, he called his wife, who's an American back in LA, and she, and he kind of was like sort of trying to process it, you know, and making light of it and stuff kind of, you know, as we all do, like, but then when he called his wife and spoke to her, he, like he came back into the room and said to us, I wasn't actually quite prepared for how upset she was. Like she was inconsolable. You know, she just doesn't know what's happened to her country, the country that she loves, the country that she grew up in. So, I mean, I, I don't know. Like I, I keep trying to, it, it, I can't, I, I actually have given myself a bit of a social media ban at the moment because I just, I get sucked into these rabbit holes that just give me anxiety. You know, like, all these posts going up about the first hundred things Trump wants to do now when he gets to office. Like, I don't know. I mean, I'm just hoping that there's just, it's just a, that he will run into the same obstruction, you know, that Obama ran into, but then they get control of the Senate. So, well, that's the problem, isn't it? Regardless of what he does. And I'm always reminded of that joke from the Simpsons about Fox news where the helicopter goes by and it says, Fox News, not racist, but number one with racists. And <laughs> that's the thing I always think about with Trump. Like, that he is the guy who's given permission to all those voices. So you're already hearing mm. these stories of people being afraid of wearing their hijabs and stuff like that because there are people like, you know, yelling abuse at them and, the, you know, the KKK are having a party. Like, it, le it legitimizes those voices in the community. And that's the problem. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny actually, that same night that we uh, caught up with my friend, we went out for dinner and we were talking about, you know, everything. And this guy at the next table was obviously listening to our conversation and um, he started talking to us and he was an American. He'd been living in Australia for 10 years, the reverse of my friend, essentially. He's polar opposite. But he was a Trump supporter and he kind of was, you know, he was quite... Uh, uh, unashamed of that. He was saying that, you know, he couldn't bring himself to vote for Hillary. She's a criminal. It would just be more of the same. And I was, and I, I mean, part of me wanted to just go through the litany of reasons why Trump is a horrible person, but like everyone knows that and it didn't affect him. So me bringing up at this conversation post the election isn't going to make any difference anyway, but he wasn't, uh, this guy didn't strike me as like a, a dirt poor uneducated guy this you know he he seemed like we're at a nice restaurant in sydney he's obviously done well in his life to be living in this country you know eating at this nice restaurant but you know his was a protest vote i guess well that's a bit of a lie about the election as well that somehow it was just because of like working class white men yes it was partly because of that but partly it was because of rich white men mm. you know like i mean the, the, I mean, the honest truth is, like, when I think about this country for the next four years, most of what I think about it is theoretical because I am a white man with another option. For me, it's probably not going to change my life too much. In fact, it might be a great time for the white man. My gigs might go up, you know, <laughs> might get a little career bump out of this. Finally, white men get a break. Right. But, I mean, that's how ridiculous it is when I speculate about it, and the effect it'll have on my life because I'm not one of those... 10 minorities that he said he was coming after like well i'm down the list anyway you know like 
it's it's not probably going to affect me, but there's going to be a lot of people I know, a lot of people we know, you know, mm. starting with women and like working to, you know, a longer list, a much longer list than that, like that are going to feel like, well, this is not my president. I mean, do you, do you feel like, you know, all these ridiculous claims, the building the wall and all this kind of shit, like has he insulated himself from having to deliver anything? Because the genius of that campaign was including the media in his rant, like making it about us and them, you know, the lying left-wing media. So when things, when he starts not delivering on these outrageous claims he made during the election, do you think it will affect him at all? Or has he already kind of insulated himself from any future criticism forever? I mean, imagine if he actually does some of them. That's the, that's the more terrifying thing. Like, is, like, imagine if he actually does build the fucking wall. Like, can you imagine how ridiculous that is, America, with a just big, big wall? Just a big wall there. Like, here's the thing, right, about... I'm not sure if we mentioned this, like, on the last podcast, but the simplicity of, like, building the wall, that's kind of, I think, what, you know, just sort of blew my mind. Like, just the, 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 the basic concept that I am going to create something that even towards the end of the Middle Ages, they realized wasn't an effective way of keeping people out of your land. Right. But if Trump had come out and said, I'm going to revive the Star Wars program and we're going to set up super high-tech defense mechanism across the Mexican border with that laser and stuff, I think I would have had a modicum of a bit more respect, being like, okay, cool, well, at least he's into sort of development of technology there. But the fact that it's like a wall, like the simplicity of the wall is like, it's insane. Yeah, and my other policy is we're going to dig a hole. Yeah. <laughs> a moat. Right. There's going to be a wall and then a moat. And a big drawbridge. Right. LAX will just be a giant drawbridge. And he's going to get the Mexicans to pay for it. The moat as well. well so what do you think, though? Like, if I mean, he made so many outrageous claims. When he starts not... I mean, he can't deliver on all of them. I, like, sure, he may start enforcing some of them. But do you think that he is going to he's he's insulated from criticism because of the way he set himself up as being like this counterculture figure so anytime the press try to hold him accountable he can just palm it off as being like a like a, a lynch mob or something if it was just him if it actually just worked like that i would have less of a fear about that because i do think he promised a bunch of outrageous things and he would say whatever he wanted to say and he doesn't actually have to do those things but i think he's going to have to put people in positions like, even if you look at, you know, Mike Pence, his vice president, who's like worse than Donald Trump is, you know, he's got some outrageous mm. bullies and he's going to put all these people, Ben Carson and, you know, his kids and, all, you know, all Newt Gingrich or whoever, in all these like powerful positions. So you're going to have all these people with all these crazy beliefs in these positions. So regardless of what he does, they're going to be forcing forward those things in those various positions and the Supreme Court and things like that. If it's full of people who believe that women shouldn't have the right to an abortion or something, then suddenly America is stuck with that for like 10 years. And that's, I mean, that stuff's outrageous. If you're like a woman and mm. you are looking down the barrel of that, of course you're devastated by this result. Um, I uh, caught, finally caught up with uh, that Nat... Nat Geo documentary Before the Flood, the one that Leonardo DiCaprio produced, which is this documentary about climate change. Yeah. And I really wished I had watched it before November 8th because it's one of the most like frightening documentaries talking about like how fast this fucking climate change problem is occurring and, you know, what can we do? And then they end it, the last 20 minutes is a positive note where they're talking to Elon Musk and they talk to Obama and the Paris... Um, you know, ratifying the, the the Paris Agreement and stuff. And so that's how the film ends is like, but, you know, we're making steps towards addressing this issue. And then, nah, everything that, that, that they were moving towards is going to be undone. Well, he doesn't believe it's true, Charlie. So I don't think you have to put any money into researching something. Not that it's, it, it's not that he just doesn't believe it's true. He believes it was a hoax created by the Chinese. Yeah. To destabilize American industry. He believes it's been a giant elaborate episode of Chinese punked. And the Chinese Ashton Kutcher will appear and reveal that climate change is a hoax. He sees through it. I mean, do you know what you can... I can honestly see happening. If this, like, this reign of terror goes on, these countries that America has, through capitalism and industrialization, have put their factories into and stuff and... 
you know, third world countries, there could be like a swap happening. Like if China is investing heavily in kind of solar power and renewable energies and stuff, and, you know, Australia's not that different, you know, we're still very married to coal and, and, and fossil fuels. Like in the next 50 years, like the balance could shift. I was thinking about it today. It's like, I think I really have been taking it for granted just how fortunate I am living in the country I live in and, and things have been fucking rosy my entire lifetime. And that is not the case for the majority of the planet, you know, and for things to balance out, there has to be, uh, there has to be a change. There has to I, be a shift. I was always of the opinion that shit was going bad. Like if you read any of the climate science and all those sort of things, it did, you know, it's, it's one of those things where like, shit's going bad it's already gone bad in a lot of ways some of the damage that's been done cannot be repaired like unless we have some mm. massive innovation breakthrough that we're not likely to have at the moment so like it's crazy times already and now we've got this like this cartoonish game of thrones like it's the evil empire you know as in like this country that was the number one country in the world that was a, the leader of the world they always say if you're american president you are also elected leader of the free world right you've got the biggest guns you've got the biggest culture that's got sold to the rest of the world and it's been on this myth of american exceptionalism that you know you're number one despite the fact like because this is what america's good at just ignoring facts you know because it's really because it really is one of those things with like the american exceptionalism where it's like we've got the best schools in the world and you're like oh actually you know they have measurements where they measure who has the best schools and you you do not have the best schools like you're maybe not top 20. oh yeah well we have the best health health system in the world yeah except they also measure that and it turns out that you don't not anywhere near the best health system in the world but they have believed that for so long that a man came along and told them we can make america great again and in their mind, they're like, yeah, I remember when America was number one. It wasn't. But they're like, I remember. Let's go back to that, that thing that didn't actually exist. Did you um, see Paul Keating came out uh, this week and was talking about, you know, this presents an opportunity for Australia to, you know, shift its focus in terms of its trade ties and, and focus more on Asia, considering geographically, you know, that's where we are. You know, we, we have stronger relations with those countries surrounding us. You know, I hear it makes complete sense to me, like, you know, what he was saying, economic, rational sense. But do you feel, like I do, that there is a sense of kind of colonial arrogance within Australia, that we feel more connected to our European heritage, that the idea that we would focus on like a, an Asian relationships is like, well, but we're not Asian? Uh, right. Like, we are not... Like, we don't consider ourselves to be part of Asia, despite the fact that we are clearly, if you look at a map, part of Asia. In Asia. Yeah, in Asia. <laughs> yeah. Like, dead set right I mean, look, in the middle look, of Asia. Look where, look where our soccer team has to play to qualify for the World Cup. Yeah, yeah. We're in the Asian pool. That isn't a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's crazy that we don't embrace that, but it's absolutely what it is. It's our, you know, British and then, like, American culture heritage that we consider ourselves to be like you know america and britain like you know superior yeah but we consider ourselves superior right because what because what white people were superior to asian people that's kind of like even though none of us in our heads are like well hopefully thinking that sentence that's what it's kind of unconsciously saying right well yeah i, I think so culturally like that that's what i feel like brexit was built off the back of reminding people of, you know, this British colonial pride that we once used to run the world and, you know, uh, white people are civilised and, you know, uh, it's well, it actually comes back to your point about, you know, the myth of America being the number one country. Like, we are almost like the little brother who says, oh, no, 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 you know, we're like our big brother. We want to grow up to be just like our big brother. Ignoring the fact that we are, geographically, we are not in a, 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 like a European, uh, we're, we're not in surrounded by European countries. We are an, an Asian country, but it is, it's almost the same way as like America has progressively been changing in terms of like minority representation and stuff. And this to me, like Brexit, feels like the death rattle from those, you know, 50 plus uh, white people who are like, you know, we want to, we want to, just that those last few uh, strands of the 1950s ideal that leave it to beaver world we want to hang on to but if you look at the you know the polling of of millennials they weren't for trump 
you know, so you feel like the next wave of voters to come through. If we can just get these people to die, <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. Um, I, I reckon Australia is a bit like the dude from the other team in the Mighty Ducks. Do you remember when there was like Which the guy dude? who like played for the, the bad guy? Yeah, and he had to come over and play for the Mighty Ducks. And he kept yeah. like his attitude at the start. Like he was like, I oh, know I'm still, my mindset is I'm with that other team. And it's only when he really realized that he was like one of the Mighty Ducks that he could truly yeah. like realize his potential. And I feel like that's what Australia yeah. is. We've got to, we've just got to realize we're the Mighty Ducks. Well, maybe Emilio Estevez should be the next prime minister. I mean, why not? Everyone else has been. <laughs> right. Well, here's the plot line. Uh, he gets another driving, uh, drink driving charge. <laughs> and as yeah. punishment, he is elected Prime Minister of Australia. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, I tell you what, who would want that bloody job? That is a punishment. Our country's like, we've seen what you did with the Mighty Ducks in all of yeah. them. Uh, so yeah. I, I really want to say that, yeah, we, we'd love to have you in charge. <laughs> yeah, um, it's funny, like anyone who's been ranting about uh, American politics, it's like, I think Australian politics is just as uninspiring. I mean... Malcolm Turnbull, and I know, I know we've talked about him in the past, but Malcolm, Malcolm, Malcolm. Like, is he, the, is he more disappointing than Kevin Rudd? Yes. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say because I do think that Malcolm, or there was an idea of Malcolm, like that people, there was something he had suggested he was, that people saw in him, that he has not. He seems like somebody who wanted power so much he was willing to give away all his principles to get power because... All he wanted was the power. He didn't... See, there's two reasons to want power. One is, if I have power, that then enables me to do things I believe in. The power gives me the opportunity to do mm. those things. Or the other one is, I want power. The end result is the yeah. power itself, and I'm willing to trade away things along the way just to get the power. And that's what he's been. Like, he's, he's sold out everything he believed in to keep a job. But why has he got the job? Like, what, why, why get a job like that unless you're going to institute yeah. things you believe in? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think the only, the only rational explanation is that he thought he could stabilise the party, get the nationals on side, get his party kind of stabilised, and then he could charm them over to his more centrist progressive policies. But then... He didn't realize what a kind of... I mean, how could he not know what a fucking swamp he was wading into? I mean, that's like a guy who's like joining the mafia and he's like, okay, I'll do one hit for you guys. But it's on the proviso that like, I really want to actually get some of my more progressive mafia views through <laughs> in the room, but I'll do one hit. And I guess if I do that yeah. one, they will like, never, never again ask me for a favor. Yeah, I'll do one hit, but then after that, we are a legitimate greengrocers, okay? <laughs> legitimate <laughs> yeah, greengrocers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I trust these guys. They've said if I do yeah. this one hit, then we're, we're even, and they will never bring this up against me in any way. And, I, you know, <laughs> if you can't trust a mafia guy on his word, who can you trust? Yeah, fuck, man. I mean, uh, you know yeah. what I will say is flying in, like now that it's sunk in a little, that it's actually real. It does make me interested in what the next seven weeks of touring for me are going to be like. Like I'm in Portland mm. this weekend. Like I'm doing a corporate show, like a, pri a private event on Saturday night. So I guess there'll be Trump voters in that room, even though Portland is you know more progressive. Like on the Sunday night, maybe less so. But then I'm in Cleveland the week after that. And like I looked at the polls there, like, Man, they wanted to vote for so for Trump so much. They ignored LeBron. LeBron James, the guy who brought the championship back to Cleveland, their ultimate fucking hero, LeBron, he told them to do something and they went, nah, fuck you, LeBron. Let's make America great again. So there's going to be some Trump voters in those audiences. Suddenly I'm like, does that change what I do? Like, is there a comedy rooms? How Trump heavy is your material? I mean... Not that much, to be honest, but maybe some of the subject matter, I, I talk about things that are on his list of things that he thinks are wrong with America, you know? That's more the point. Yeah. Yeah. Like, does your climate change bit, like suddenly you start doing something about climate change and there's people in the audience just yelling out, doesn't exist. President said it doesn't exist. Do you hate America? 
why do you hate America? I've got a gun here because I can. I'm going to shoot you now because you hate America because you talked about climate change. You, America hater, let's make America great again. I shoot you now. Yeah. yeah I mean, I guess it's the thing. When you have your president who uh, publicly endorses violence against people who offer contrary opinions. Right. What does that mean in the comedy circuit? People aren't going to be throwing tomatoes. It's going to be Molotov cocktails now at comedy. I mean, I mean, it's one of those things where if and you... this is and and this and he's and he's also like a famously thin-skinned dude, you know, who sends off Twitter fucking exchanges at three a.m. So, I wouldn't surprise me if all of a sudden comedy clubs are now under surveillance for any uh, anti-Trump jokes. Oh, by the way, mate, let's just like consider just for a second what you just talked about, which is the fact that. The president of, like, the leader of the free world is the guy who has that Twitter account. We are going to see the weirdest fucking ass tweets from the American press. Well, I mean, I know we're laughing at this, but it's kind of f fucking terrifying. I think you have to laugh. It's the only way to deal with it. Although, I, to be honest, like, I felt very depressed, like, the last few days. It's kind of, you know, it's... Anytime you feel like we are making progress in terms of like attitudes and stuff like that, you you expect some blowback and some setbacks. But in my lifetime, I don't think I've seen such a large wholesale rejection of socially progressive ideals as this one election suggests there is. And I know statistically he didn't win the popular vote. And I know statistically in terms of voter turnout that this is not the majority of Americans. This was just the most mobilized group of Americans like they're saying what like 25.6 percent uh voted Trump so that's not the entire population of the country so I'm hoping that there is a you know they always talk about the silent majority like I'm hoping that the silent majority I don't know they fucking fell asleep they just didn't realize they had to get out and do something they got they got apathetic I mean I can understand the people who want to burn the system down like I have some sympathy to that and I do think that this is the end result of capitalism. Like, I've said this before, but capitalism to me is like one of those things that is brilliant from bringing a third world economy into a first world economy. It's the quickest way, the free market and all those sort of things, to escalate and elevate people's standard of living in a really quick way, like across generations. But it doesn't work for an operating society because what it continues to do is that same thing as it does, which is pull more wealth in, but it keeps going to the wealthier and the people who have this entrenched privilege. And then eventually, if you've raised generations on advertising and telling them that it's all about branding and it's all about aspiring mm. to this and get this woman mm. and get this thing, and then the biggest brand in the world runs saying he's going to tear yeah. down the fucking system, then I can understand how to some people that is appealing but i just can't understand yeah. how they looked up they looked away from the 10 minority groups that he had insulted along the way like how they still thought and the sexuals i just how how they go my need to burn this system down i'm willing to overlook all that other stuff yeah well the the default reaction was anytime you brought that up was like well hillary's worse and it's like okay okay we understand that like she has some horrible like skeletons in her closet as well but that doesn't change what he has said and done i mean how can you justify that it's just if if hillary is as bad as her detractors say she is at least she still has fucking what 40 plus years of international diplomacy under her belt. So if you're choosing between two very unlikable people, pick the one who at least um, has some expertise in the job they're fucking going for. Literally a guy who hasn't paid his taxes for 20 years, a guy who has like been bankrupt five times or something, you, will, you hate the system so much that you're like, fuck it. Let's let, you know, that's like getting on a plane and you get the least qualified person to fucking fly the plane. It's like yeah. get, getting on a virgin plane and Richard Branson fucking flies the plane. Do you feel bad about like all the jokes and stuff we made in the last like 12 months leading up to this? Like, do you feel like somehow we, we fell asleep at the wheel? We were too oblivious to what was going on, to the, the actual seriousness of it? Or could we not have anticipated it? Well, firstly, I don't think we could have had much control over it. I can't imagine. Oh no, Will, I believe this, I believe this podcast has quite a bit of influence. I mean, you may be overstating the role of 
It's the it was the most covered event by media in the history of fucking media, probably the American election at this time. But no, 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 no. People were waiting to hear where Tofop came down. Where was our <laughs> where was our editorial the day before the election? We should do that before every election. We should do it. Everyone relax, state of the nation, and then say who yeah. we think people now again vote for who you want to vote for, or not vote. I mean, that's the thing that fucking drives me crazy as well is that half the country didn't vote. Mm. Like in a, in a time when this decision was so fucking important that half the country just went, nah, I, can't, I don't even care, one or the other. But you can understand where that apathy would come from, right? Oh, like I just in the same two parties coming in. Like, it's still like, despite the shakeup, it's still a Republican nominee got the presidency and it will be staffed with Republicans. Well, basically what you're saying is, I am willing to have a lot of other people suffer for my need to burn the system down now. And by the way, again, I'm, I have some real sympathy to the idea that maybe the system is so broken, the only way yeah, you can kind of do it is you have to kind of like, you know, let it die and then kind of try to start again. Yeah. You know, America is like a football team, Charlie, and the last few years they've been running on top-up players and they're over budget, out of salary cap, and they've, they've, brought a, they've just brought a really big fan out of retirement <laughs> to play at centre-half forward. And yeah, no, it's some fucking... Ex, it's Jeffrey Edelston, some eccentric right. billionaire who's propped the club up. They've yeah. actually brought him into play as well, captain coach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, maybe it needs to go into a rebuild. I don't know. But well, that, as, as someone who's come, yeah. come here for work, like, there is a part of me that's like, is this the place that I should be now? Like a legitimate party that goes, like if half the country think these sort of things, well, I, I don't really think those sort of things and how much do I, of my time do I want to spend like finding new people who don't agree with me to talk to? Okay, well, yeah. I mean, like Australia isn't necessarily the world leader on uh, progressive thinking either though. I mean, if it's, if it's coming down to ide idealism, I know... Uh, we don't have a Trump-like figurehead spouting off this crazy shit. But, you know, you could suggest that, you know, we also, we haven't um, endorsed marriage equality. You know, we have very questionable practices of t dealing with refugees. So, you know, are we really that much better? No, but here's what I would argue maybe in relation to myself, and I know I mocked you for the TOEFOP effect before, but... <laughs> If there, if there is anywhere in the world where I could make a difference in regard to those things, and I'm not saying that there is, by the way, because I don't think that comedy necessarily has that ability to change people's minds, but maybe you can say something in a way that clicks that thing in someone's mind that they were already thinking, or I, I don't know. But it, maybe in Australia I could do that. If I concentrated more on Australia, I could help express more voices that had counter-opinions to those things and help make a difference. But I'm not doing that because I'm trying to have a career over in fucking New Hitlerville. Because <laughs> if, if I fucking make it in Orange Hitlerland, you know, I'll be able to buy a fucking beach house. So I'm willing to fucking look aside at the fact that I'm living in some, you know, place that's run by some person who... It, it, like does not believe in anything I believe in. And I'm coming over here because I'm like, oh, well, it's still the best place for a break. I mean, the kind of strange thing is, from what I understand about Trump, is that, you know, like five years ago, his views on some of these things were, were quite progressive. Like he was uh, pro-choice and wasn't necessarily against climate change. Uh, now he's in. Like, who knows I guess what you, you said before about it's the people he's got around him, that's what you really got to worry about. I mean, he's but, not going he's going to get bored, right? But but also, what does it say about being president when your best hope for the president is ah, uh, hopefully he was just lying heaps and won't do any of the promises he made during the election. Like that's that destroys democracy as well because the whole idea mm. of making promises during the election is that you're meant to keep them afterwards so people can vote for things they're into. I know. When you think, actually think about that, like it's always about, you know, they'll review a, a, a person's time in office and they'll talk about promises broken or unfulfilled. They're going to fucking have to build a new meter after this. I mean, let's hope we have to. I mean, that's the greatest hope for everybody that he's just going to break all the promises. 
So it's funny. Um, I, w- I was watching a few of the different, you know, Sky News and CNN and NBC uh, while the election was underway. And when it was becoming clear that Donald Trump was going to win, you saw this uh, um, very interesting introspection coming from the media who are like, they were of a, they were wondering like, how did they get it so wrong? But then the second thing was we created this. Like there was a level of copying response, like responsibility for giving well, him airtime. Well, he was so good for click throughs and ratings, you know, dying media. That's why it's the perfect storm. You know, you have the dying media. They needed a Donald Trump and they indulged him mm. for long enough because he was so good for click throughs and, you know, clickbait that, it gave mm. him the. I mean, he, he spent half of what Hillary spent on election ads. Like he's he's won the fucking presidency for a fucking bargain. Maybe he will make America great again because the way he fucking scammed the American electoral process, like, was magnificent. So I guess if he can be that guy on behalf of America, like, I guess if he can be the hey China, the check is in the mail, like you know, and now you can just jiggle the books and shit. Maybe he will make America great again. I just keep having this vision of Donald Trump and Boris Johnson meeting for the first time. Like, that is a bizarre vision, right? I mean, the fact that we even let men with hairstyles like that anywhere near power. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, maybe Nutty Professor. Like, you can be Einstein with hair like that, but you can't fucking lead the country. Yeah, you're right. Like, there's a, eccentric geniuses can get away with that. Not fucking misogynistic, racist demagogues. No. Anyway, good luck to him, <laughs> leader of the free world. I mean, yeah, shit, man. even when we got off the plane and you get off the plane at the airport, you know, at LAX, and there's this big like picture of Obama because, you know, welcome to America. Well, I know. know. First thing I thought of is like, it's going to be so weird going to the States and seeing a giant portrait of Donald Trump in LAX. Like, that's- Don't you feel like it's going to be like in Starship Troopers? Like that's what it'll feel like. I get, no, I reckon it's to me. It's going to feel more like it'll be one of those kind of like cheesy, like on you know black velvet paintings that you get in Vegas, like those Elvis paintings, right? Like a Boulevard of Broken Dreams. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's just so much to kind of unpack in terms of like the 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 standard to which Americans hold their presidents and the nobility of that role. I mean, they basically fucking changed a mountain face to honor their leaders and now this is where it's got to from those men to this men i mean has it maybe this is the kind of the the great awakening the emperor hasn't you know has no clothes on this is like maybe it's all been bullshit maybe we've deified all these individuals and personalities and it's taken a, a clown like this to come on to go why are we putting so much hope in what is essentially like a representational position so someone who's like destroying the system by just playing the system like he's the ultimate yeah. result of the system. He's like the Neo of this matrix. Like everything has led up to him in this point and they need him to actually destroy it from within. That's right. Because the loop has to end so it can start again. Right. Why did it have to, have to happen in our lifetime? <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. Like it's crazy that I live in America at a time when Donald Trump, Donald Trump, grab him on the pussy, yeah. dude from The Apprentice, Donald Trump. Is the president of elect. Like, I mean, we had a guy who ate onions with the skin on, and we were embarrassed about that worldwide. Yeah. But, wow. Well, did you hear Bill Maher came out, actually, and said something interesting, where he said that liberals or liberal comedians and commentators made a mistake in the last two elections, well, last three elections, going hard on George W. Bush and Mitt Romney because they painted them as being like the worst thing that would ever happen. Right. When by comparison, they were very moderate. So it's almost like, you know, the liberal who cried wolf. Now they have a serious fucking problem. I mean, imagine you're Hillary Clinton. Like, and I don't want to rub salt into the wounds, but I don't think Hillary's going to really listen to the podcast. So imagine you're Hillary Clinton and the country elected Donald Trump as president rather than you you've spent your entire life like your entire life working towards this thing and they would have been wrapped when he got it in the first place you could imagine the time they would have been like well we've got this in the bag they've just guaranteed so for like nine months she's been walking around going yeah she's got to have imagined it 
She's got to imagine, yeah, God, I'm going to be, I'm going to be president. Like a week out from the election, when like those tapes came out and he was ten points behind, she must have just been like, "Well, there we go. I ran against the clown. I ran to, in the year of the scary clown. I ran against the scariest of all fucking clowns, and I'm going to be president." And she didn't win. She lost to Donald Trump. Well, she got the most votes. I mean, talk about things that'll haunt you forever. Yeah, talk about your footy team and the ball bouncing the wrong way. She won the most votes, and she didn't win the fucking election to Donald Trump, the dude from The Apprentice. Yeah, it's the kind of um. If if she wasn't already near the end of her career, it's the kind of oh. thing that would make you just disappear into the mountains for twenty years. Yeah, what <laughs> happened? To, what happened to Hillary Clinton? She moved to the woods. She's like Grizzly Adams yeah. now. She's a, she's a barista now in New York. Right, <laughs> <laughs> in cafe, find her making coffees. Have you spoken to Dave Anthony yet? No, I haven't yet. I've just been letting him do whatever it is that he needs to be doing right now. <laughs> Percolate. Oh, you know what? I think that he will feel, even though he'll be devastated about the result, I think he will feel vindicated about the result because he's someone who's been warning, you know, because of the yeah. enthusiasm he had for the Bernie movement, but more about the idea that there's this underclass or this misrepresented or feeling unrepresented, you know, group of people who feel left behind by this who are bubbling along there. And Dave's been talking about that a lot like you know and he's been very mm. passionate about like you know that and he was proved to be right in a lot of ways so i think you know he'll be happy that he was right but that will probably be outweighed by the fact that he was right yeah <laughs> i mean it'll be interesting to see what the actual i mean have you i know you don't like people and interacting with them and stuff <laughs> But have you, like, just anecdotally, have you noticed, is there a vibe? Is there a vibe? Has Dolph Lundgren been, like, grumbling in the hallways of your apartment building? I mean, I think there is a vibe. Everywhere you go, like, obviously, and I'm in LA, so, you know, at yeah. the moment, it's not the middle of, you know, Trump land here in LA. But, yeah, obviously, all the places I've gone, I've been running into people who, you know, are mostly kind of devastated by it but not everybody has been like though there's definitely been a few people who you know like have shown their enthusiasm for trump and and you know been quite public about it because now you can be he's been i mean your team won like you know mm. that's like you know people on the side of like you know darth vader's crew if darth vader wins like you know what even though you are the bad guys you know you get a year of celebrating yeah <laughs> yes yeah right well, I don't know. Like, I mean, a season. Like, until next, yeah. you know, until next battle season. Yeah. The, rebel the, rebe the rebellion have to go into a rebuild. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would imagine that it could be, um, I mean, if those protests are anything to go by, like, uh, you've got to be careful about what you talk about in public because there's certain sort of issues that I just assume we're all on board with, you know, like that everyone should be treated the same and... <laughs> Let's be nice to each other and stuff. But <laughs> this uh, result proves that not everyone feels that way. No. And, you know, the other thing is I'm very conscious about the fact that I am, this is not my country. Like, and, yeah. you know, I, I certainly think from the the point of view of the people who are Trump supporters, that idea of like, you know, someone coming over and telling them how America should be is not something they will appreciate. So, no. yeah, you, know, you rarely hear them go, make America great again. Uh, but if you have any suggestions how I can make it even greater, I would love to hear them. That's not really how it goes. Yeah, Maybe you could do it in like a PowerPoint presentation. I learned how to do PowerPoint for our live show in LA. I could teach you about it. You just carry your laptop. How hard is it to do PowerPoint? Uh, not that hard. I mean, if I, if, I could, if I could learn it, you could learn it. There was a time in stand-up comedy where every show was suddenly a PowerPoint show. Oh, yeah. Charlie Pickering was all over that shit. Oh, mate, everybody was. Dave Gorman kind of started it, but then everybody had a fucking right. PowerPoint in their fucking show. And I always thought it'd be too hard to learn how to do PowerPoint, so I skipped that phase of comedy. But, but maybe I could come to it late. I can just bring the PowerPoint out now, like 10 years after it was actually a thing. That can be, yeah, that can be, my, that can be my opening joke. I can be like, finally mastered PowerPoint. Ha, 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 And then that comes up on PowerPoint. Ha, ha, ha. Nervous laughter. <laughs> so are you on the road now for a bit? Yeah. So Portland this weekend and then Cleveland the weekend after and then the dollop tour and then uh, Alaska and 
Denver and uh, Madison, Wisconsin. So yeah, all over the place. I mean, this this this, this is good for, for I mean, it's good for you, but it's also good for our show because you will be going to all these different places, and I imagine you're going to have like you're going to get some pretty different takes in each place because I'm interested to. I don't know enough there. Like most people who have only visited the states, I tend to stay towards the coast. I haven't I haven't ventured that much inland or to Alaska or anything. Be interesting to get um, the vibe up there. Oh, yeah, I'm definitely going to have some interesting conversations. If I don't come back with heaps of material, this trip has really been a waste. I I may have to give up comedy if I can't find some material going to to fucking Alaska two, two, three weeks after Donald Trump got elected president. Is that thing, though, you know, that everyone's like, oh, this is a goldmine for comedians now, but is it? No. Is it? No. It's not? No. Terrible. Terrible for comedians because... Trump has been done to death and everybody's going to be doing it. So it's like one of those things where you kind of expected to have a bit about it, but at the same time, what's the fucking point? Because, you know, The Daily Show has a bit and Jon Stewart has a bit and fucking Stephen Colbert has a bit and Louis has a bit and like, like, what's the point of me having a bit? But you're almost like obliged to have one because you have to acknowledge what's going on. I mean, for me, I hope creatively that maybe it makes you write about or talk about the topics that he might be against and kind of fly a flag for those topics or those point of view in like kind of a public way. And there's a way you can do that without you know, having to be fucking hero my Donald Trump jokes. But I don't know. Like I saw Dylan Moran the other night, Wednesday night. So the day after the election and he had like five minutes up the front all about Trump and it was sublime. Like it was some of the best comedy I've ever seen in my life. So, I mean, maybe there is, like a a challenge there using the Australian point of view to kind of maybe I could talk more about Australia and how it affects Australia and there is a way of you know kind of acknowledging what has happened without kind of straying into that area that where it wouldn't work the the, the strange thing too about having a guy like Donald Trump as president is like you know so Obama was quite open to sort of doing like Jimmy Fallon and Zach Galifianakis between two ferns and stuff and he was good at making fun of himself and all the comedy in those situations was sort of predicated off the fact that here is a president who shouldn't really be doing like a comedy sketch on a talk show. And that's what kind of made it funny. But you don't get any juice from that when it's Donald Trump because you'd expect him to do something fucking crazy and ridiculous like that. Well, also, you wonder if that's part of the problem. Like if you're going to look at the system that elected Donald Trump, maybe the fact that like Obama went on those things like he was just a great talk show guest lowered the bar a bit where people go well donald trump's a good talk show guest as well like maybe he'd be good at being president well i kind of uh, i put something out on twitter after the election just saying like you know where where to next like who's the next isn't going to be if this is the standard we're getting and then someone i didn't realize but kanye has put his hand up for 2020 did you know that yeah but that's the wrong that's the wrong choice mate kim kardashian kim kardashian 2020 really yeah kk do you think the KKK would endorse KK? Yeah, they get involved just because of the K, like the other more, more, yeah. more prominent Ks. Uh, that's Courtney, yeah. Courtney, Chloe, and <laughs> uh, Kendall. Kendall, sure. Um, <laughs> so, you know, yeah, Kim Kardashian, first female president in the United States of America. No, As it crashes no, into the iceberg. I would accept that. Although, ironically, the iceberg will have melted. Although, what am I talking about? What am I talking about? Like, (laughs) So, Kim Kardashian, well, we need a female president. B, she's got all that, like, sort of Instagram, Twitter followers, those sort of things. Like, nobody wants Kanye in charge. Like, we all think Kim's a better, you know, business person than Kanye is. And so, like, Kanye's Mm. just your kind of, like, you know, your first first man. man. Yeah. Yeah, right. First gentleman. Yeah, I get it. Right. And he's just got all the crazy ideas, always suggesting crazy ideas to Kim, who's actually letting her mum run most of it. And then, either the internet connection randomly dropped off, or the NSA decided they had heard quite enough of Will and Charlie's opinions on the new American overlord, slash... President, you decide. Okay. Okay. All right. Can you hear me? Yeah. 
Um, well, we should probably think about wrapping up. Anyway, yeah, that's done. good. Me too. I need to. Now. I need to get off. So. You need to go. Yep. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, do you need to plug these shows you're about to do? Or have we sort of done that when you talked about them? Or oh yeah. Okay. So you can go dates? to you can go to my web website willanderson.com.au and uh, you know look up all my dates and come and see me at my, one of my shows. I'm coming to B- Bermuda. There's Australian shows on sale. Anyway, it'd be good if you came along. That'd be great. Portland on we, Sunday. We didn't. Um, we didn't. Uh, I just realised it wasn't a very funny episode. <laughs> Sorry, it wasn't a very funny episode. It was kind of. Uh, we we it was more like we had a discussion with the occasional light observation. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't up to our normal kind of thigh slapping uh, antics. But uh, I guess that's kind of that's the fucking tone of of, of of the week, really. Well, I mean, in retrospect, also you don't want to get over it too quickly. You don't want someone to say, "Hey, remember the day after Hitler got elected? That hilarious yeah. podcast those guys did about it." Like I feel, yeah. I feel like you want a little bit of time to just acknowledge that you know, for a lot of people, this is not probably going to be a great time. Yeah, yeah. So next week, dicks, bums, and Batman. Oh well, you know what? There was a two-hour one last week where we just basically looked up Baywatch nights. So <laughs> you know, you can even out yeah, this you, one. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, okay. Oh, I should plug our Patreon page. So, yeah, um, uh, patreon.com forward slash, uh, If you'd like to help us out, um, you can donate any amount from a dollar up to will, uh, $1 billion to help us fix the ozone layer. Yeah, that's it. We'll, we will fix. In fact, that'll be our new reward level. We will fix climate change. If yep. we get, you know what? I don't think a billion dollars is going to do it. We'll need 10 billion. <laughs> Elon we- Musk would have done it a long time ago. We need 10, 10 people. Ten people at a billion dollars each, and then we'll have a crack at it. Yeah, we'll have a crack at it. Uh, but if you go there, there's lots of bonus content um, you get depending on what level you subscribe at. You get access to the Tofop ebook, uh, Tofop 100 ebook, um, James Fosdyke's amazing comic strip, Everyone Relax, um, plus a bunch of other stuff. So if you like the show and you want to help us out, um, we really appreciate the support. Uh, anything else? No, that seems okay. That's about it, right? All right, I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Henderson. <laughs>